and welcome to episode 61 of The Courageous Mama. If you want to be empowered, equipped and encouraged, you've come to the right place. And this week I have a corker of a conversation to share with you. But first of all, how has half term gone for you if you've got schoolies? Wasn't that weather a gift? My leavers came home, so we were a full complement of eight this week, hence the absence of a podcast last week. If you're new to the podcast, I have five children, ages 26 down to 12, and we have a little foster child who is seven. So I'm practising all that I share across all the different age groups. We had a fabulous half term. We played tennis, we went wall climbing at our favourite 17 metre high Colossus. I, on the one hand, finally and proudly made it to the top, My kids, on the other hand, were doing timed races to the top. It seems to bring out this huge competitive edge in them, particularly as the younger ones get older and can bypass sporty big brother. I should have taken bets. And then we finished the week camping by a beautiful lake outside Oxford where the weather utterly spoilt us and long days were spent swimming and eating far too much. And then just like that, they were gone. If it wasn't for the wash piles, I'd think it was all a dream. Recently, I've been interspersing podcasts with conversations with a parent who has older children and can look back and reflect. You've met some of my friends and some of my family too, my mum and my older sister. This week, I'm going to introduce you to my other sister. We came thick and fast all those years ago, three in three years, And Natalie, who you're going to meet today, is only 11 months older than me. In fact, we have a month of the year that she's not a big fan of because we're the same age for that whole month until she moves on. (laughs) I think she minded more when we were children than she does now. She's got four girls, two at uni, ages 22 and 21, one fresh out of A-levels, 18, and a 15-year-old. Natalie is an artist and a photographer. So if she hasn't got a Canon camera dangling from her neck, snapping families, weddings and landscapes, she's got paint in her hair and clothes. She was a finalist in the Royal Photographic Society Portrait Competition and her artwork is wide and varied. Massive great life drawings, small paintings, huge canvases. It's so hard to actually describe her work because it's so varied. Expressive, energetic, vibrant, colourful, sensitive and a little wild. You might have spotted her as a wild card on Sky's Landscape Artist of the Year programme, but she pops up everywhere, the Saatchi site and other galleries such as the Bath Society of Artists. I could go on. Many people, including some of my own friends, are happy owners of a by Natalie, and it would be remiss of me not to mention that her next exhibition is in Bath next week, the 15th to the 20th of June. This one is My Blooming Year, fabulous, colourful paintings of, well, I want to say flowers, but I think that would give you the wrong impression. It's a little bit more abstract than that. You'd have to go on the website to have a look. I'll pop it in the show notes. And if you're someone who would like beautiful real art on your walls that's affordable or just enjoys drinking in great art, then pop to that website and book yourself a slot at the exhibition next week. And that's where you can take a look at her art ahead of the game and get 20% off the pre-show art. And I know that a number of large ones have already gone this week. They are showstoppers. But back to business. Natalie is fun, fun, fun and very real. She's not had it easy. Her dream world was rocked some years back when her husband left. 
So there's some heartfelt honesty in this podcast and some great reflections about surviving and flourishing in spite of it all. And we were determined not to do a podcast on surviving divorce, but more a podcast on being a courageous mum and a role model to four gorgeous girls. It's a great conversation about retaining your identity amongst huge challenges. And unusually for me, instead of asking at the very end what's a courageous thing that you've done, we started at the beginning with that question. Here's my conversation with Natalie. I was thinking about the word courageous and courage, and the word that kept coming to my mind is actually encouragement and how that it was integrated and how like being courageous and passing on that courageousness is like encouraging your children. Yes. Encourages to put courage into someone. Isn't yes, it? yes. It feeds in a little bit with being a role model because in being courageous, you are encouraging. You are. You're modelling courage, aren't you? Yes, your yeah. children. Absolutely. And I'm sure of all the things they've been modelled, some good and some bad. <laughs> I think courage is probably up there. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and can you think of any examples? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I think the children probably saw me doing is divorcing, selling our family home on my own, shifting, selling, getting rid of things, moving into a rented accommodation, staying there for six months, getting them into schools there, moving to Bath, finding a house, redecorating the house, getting them into schools again, keeping a level head, trying to prioritise them, and I think um, making a home for them mm. in that new location. And I think they will, they could, they could see straight away that's quite something. Mm. Did they say so at the time? I think they have said so in, yeah, in, in, in different ways. And they've obviously had their journey and, that, and I found that quite difficult, all the changes. And they've had to be courageous and probably felt in the toe of that sometimes more than they felt mm. a part of it, maybe. And that's um, when courage is two different things, isn't it? It can be something you've got to do <laughs> or something you choose to do, like a bungee jump. But they had to do it. They had to do it. But even if you've got to do it, you can choose how to do it, can't That's you? That's true. And you can, yeah. you can choose to do it with courage or you can choose to do it in a rather flailing, poor me, I've got to kind of way, can't yeah. you? I think yeah. there are two ways to do it. It's almost like taking the bull by the horns and going, well, how can we do this best? How can we lean into this and put more into it? How can mm. we do this well? Instead of just grabbing what flies by and complaining, let's take ownership mm. of this and go, well, this is our lives how do we decide we're going to move forward with this, mm. I think. And even if they did complain, th those would be valid emotions, wouldn't they? I mean, there's oh. every reason to complain about what they went through. Oh, yeah, and they did, you know, and we've had kickback and I don't yeah. want to be here, and of course we have. Yeah. All those emotions are very true. I mean, they, sometimes they haven't wanted to be here, and sometimes I haven't wanted to be here. Yeah. Many times I want to be back in my little village by the sea, mm. and I think that'll always be the case, but I'm not, I'm here. Mm. Interesting, having just got rid of a knackered old somebody else's horrible old kitchen and made this house into a home, I think that has anchored us much, much better. Has it? Has that made a oh, big difference? Does it feel like yours? Yeah. It's just, I want to come home now. Oh. It was a house and now it's a home. And that's that's been massive for me. Yeah. I didn't even realise quite how big. I wonder what does turn house into home, because it isn't one thing, is it? No, it's making something work for you and your family. And, and even for them, the fact that we put a bar which we had in our old house and we could be more social I think it meant a lot to them 
You said about you mean a kitchen bar, don't you? Yeah, a kitchen bar. About a drinks sorry. cabinet. Or <laughs> oh, sorry, no, no, no. Well, sometimes it is that. A whiskey bar. No, some mm-hmm. something that that meant that we could do things together, and that I valued that, and they enjoyed that, mm-hmm. and that was important. It is actually about creating a scene that means you use your space mm. in a connected way. So yeah, you've got these two chairs in front of the bar. That's very conversational, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And it works for your family. Mm. And they know that you've done that because they like it. Yes. But I was thinking as well, because I, I think I've been quite, I think I am quite courageous. Um, I, you know, if I look back by 15, I was walking around Switzerland with a friend. By 16, I was interrailing on my own. Then I was off to Canada and I did a lot of things. And then, interestingly, I think that feeds into my art. My artwork is very courageous. And if you always sit and go, what could I lose? I think it's very hard to move on. I think sometimes you've got to go, but I don't know, and, and step into the world of the unknown. And that is, I think, courageous. But for me, that's how you grow. So practically, I think I've been courageous. But I would say I feel the most courageous thing I have done, and it's interesting to listen to Mum's podcast, is some mornings just getting up. Yeah. I do. I, I You know, I can, I can remember days and you, you're just knackered. And you've got babies and kids and dogs and dinner. And you've gone to bed just going, I just don't know if I can do another day. And you get some sleep and you wake up and you sort of go, oh, I'm here again. Mm. And you've just got to dig so deep, so deep. And you for the kids, really. And you have to just do your best that day, don't you? Mm. I, I think that is really the hardest thing. that It gets the Medal of Honour. It does, on some days. Not every day, mm. fortunately, but I can certainly remember days. When you're just lonely and desperate and helpless and your self-esteem's rubbish and you're looking rubbish and you're feeling rubbish and you, you know all the things you're supposed to be doing, like get out and get some exercise or to do something, but you simply can't see a way to doing it for practical reasons or whatever. Out of reach. Yeah, and you know all those people want to help you, but you even got the strength to ring them. Mm. And I think those days just moving through them and still being able to find love and smile at your children is 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 hard and i i no doubt that lots of listeners will, will relate to that how did you survive those days well i think some of those i did just survive um for me again now it was always a good one it was it always took took a while with everybody i remember having a push chair with sort of one in it one on the top <laughs> one walking, one buckle to my front, and a sort of mm. dog. <laughs> or two. Yeah, and I, I think, I think it's just like everything you don't want to do, you do it, and you get out, and you can be out for half an hour, change the scene, can't you? And mm. and you come back, and somehow everything's just not quite as weighty. Yeah. What felt most important to you in those seasons? What were you prioritizing? The children. I'm not sure that was always the healthiest thing to do, but I did. And I do think if I went back, I probably should have found a way to to look after myself better, I think. How could you have done that, looking back? Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I didn't really focus on it. I felt that was my mission. And I spent, you know, although I was married at that point in time, you know, I wouldn't really see him from you know, kind of Sunday night till Saturday morning, and then it would be, you know, him needing some space. It was very lonely at times, 
shouldn't have been but was and now you know something that's been important or gone through my mind a lot is that I have four daughters as you know and that there is a, a responsibility uh, for me to be a role model to them yes um I'm also aware of it actually with my nieces particularly as a single mum you know when my kids are in these situations what do I want them to do sit in their corner and cry complain about life and just say poor me or would I like to see them say okay let's phone a friend and let's talk about this and let's see how we can slowly unravel and let's believe we can do better and I, I think in a lot of these things I'm pretty sure if you ask my kids they'd say that is that I have tried to witness a way that I would want them to respond and actually sometimes that's been my driving motive really no definitely yeah not necessarily that I want to do it for myself but I want my children to see that you know we, we can be strong but we can also be vulnerable mm. um, we can dig deep and we are able to do more than we think and we can ask for help and we can be grateful for help and we don't always feel that when someone helps us that we have to immediately give back we can take things graciously and at times we can offer things graciously I think I think sort of witnessing those sort of things what I've observed you know from close up and personal is that in among all of this even though you didn't necessarily self-care the way you perhaps reflectively wished you had Mm. you always hung on to your identity so you never lost the artist you never lost Mm. the adventurer Talk to me a bit about your art and this sort of growth journey of being an artist and mum. <laughs> well, I love that my kids love that about me. Do they? Yeah, they, yeah. they really love that about me. They ha- they just love that, uh, you know, it's probably not until they started to bring their friends home and they went, oh, wow, what's all this? Funky mum. Yeah, you've got a house <laughs> full of paintings and, you know, they just assume everybody lives like this, you know, and, and, and that's really nice. Um, and there'll be times when I was desperate to be creative and I just couldn't, you know, you couldn't put your paints all over the table because it was always dinner or something. And um, over the years, carved out um, some space. I did some big canvases in the carport, you know, out in the rain. Um, but, you know, I've painted as, you, you know, all my life and created and drawn. So I don't, it's almost like sometimes it's something I do, but it is just what I am. So sometimes that has to come out. And in the younger years, when we lived near Whipsnade, me and a friend started the Whipsnade um, life drawing. And somehow having a night that we'd organised and got a few other people involved, you know, that was a night I went out. And that was that was fantastic. And I have a real passion now. I would love to and, and do do some teaching, but I have a real passion for mums who need to be creative. They don't even have to be artists, mm. but we all have it in us. And doing through teaching, I've I've loved eking out creativity in people, and I think it's all really there, and it's so um, tucked away, particularly for people who are a bit more um, academic. It's fascinating to watch you do that, because of course I've been on one of your art courses, and you have such a diverse crew turn up, and some people tied their hair back, they've got their overalls on, and they're ready to go, and other people you can see they're sort of touching the paints gingerly and thinking oh I don't know what to do but yet by the end of the day yeah you've drawn something out of everyone and something quite wild in in people who are not 
mm. seemingly wild people by nature. So mm. is that a calling, do you think, wanting to oh, draw definitely. the creativity? I think teaching is definitely a calling and, um, and I love doing it. There's just such a privilege to watch somebody look at a piece of white paper uh, with great, ah, I can't paint or I can't draw. Okay, well, we're not drawing, you know, we're expressing, so so let's do it. And, well, you can't go wrong and, 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 and just see them turn and then sort of look at it. That's phenomenal joy and amazement of what they actually put on that piece of paper themselves. And they're, they're just so gobsmacked. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. take it home. They, they go from I can't draw to, you know, suddenly be pictures of it framed in the <laughs> sitting room. Going, well, wow. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that's lovely. I always love love teaching and, and just I mean it's just a real privilege to just see that magic moment be able to come out the I can't to the I can the I can't to the I, I did, did yeah. to the I did yeah going back to what you were saying about wanting to be a role model for your children mm. is that part of what you fought for during the tough years I will get a, a night out a week I will show them that there's a life beyond raising children I don't think at that point that was about them no. okay that was that was our, that was actually about me. And, and now, we, and we did we did actually at that point have have Wednesday wife. You know we had a babysitter every Wednesday so that we could get out husband and wife. But well, <laughs> not said about that probably, but <laughs> <laughs> sure how successful it was. Wednesday wife time. Thursday art the art one. The art was really you know nobody got in the way of that. They just mm, just sacrosanct moment of the week. Yeah, and I, so I think. Always saying I can't do it, I can't get the paints out is one thing. Just going, and maybe that is a courageous move. Just going, there's nothing I can go to, it's not there. I need it. I'm going to create the space. I'm going to create the class. I'm going to get the model. And um, it was me and a friend. Because we used to go life drawing and this class got closed down and we really, really missed it. So, so to go... You know, like every time there's a step in front of you and you can look at it and go, I don't think I can do that. Or you look at it and go, but could I? And I think it's that decision to go, but I wonder, and what if I look at it from a different angle and is it possible? And then again, friends, you talk to them and somebody goes, but this and but that, and suddenly it's come together. And then once it did happen, taking the time out, going, doing the two hours and coming home, it just transformed my week transform my week it was so important it wasn't about the painting but not about the finished results it was about the doing of it and even just chatting to other people who were creative there were about 10 of us that, that was lovely you were saying sometimes it's courageous to be arty or to be artistic yes. what yeah. do you mean by that <laughs> well i think no it, within my work i think i'm i'm courageous and what well, is a fact really so you can have a painting and you've done I mean, we would just look at a painting that I've just finished now, which has been through many, many different guises. And you can have a really lovely part She's of the painting. She's done it. I shall put it on the... Okay. I'll put it on Instagram for those listening. Okay, yeah. thank you. Just for, It's just fresh. It's probably still a bit shiny from being wet, isn't it's it? It's still wet. It's still wet. Yeah, absolutely. It was finished this morning. And um, it goes through lots of different guises and you've got a lot of detail and you've been working so hard on it. I mean, there's hours and hours gone into that thing. And then I just felt, for example, it just needed some big brush marks. So you get a big juicy brush mark and you go right over all that work you've done. And, it could and so that's the risk you were talking that's about. The risk. That's what I've got to lose. Yes. And you could lose everything. Yeah. And, so, and often you do. But on the occasion you gain it, it is 
just the magic. Okay. And on those ones, it, and, and that, uh, you know, the big, fresh, bold marks, um, I think are probably a little bit of a kind of a, a signature. I do think you have to be brave. And you have to say at every piece, I'm prepared to lose it. I'm prepared to lose it in order to go the lengths to make this the best it can be. Mm. Not to sit there and compromise and go, oh, I kind of like these pieces. It's quite nice. And perhaps I'll leave it there. And then sometimes you go too far, you know, and I look back at pictures that I've taken, photographs that I've taken through the piece and I go, oh, should have stopped there. But that's what it is. You know, you have to, you have to lose those. So I'm, I think that is courageous sort of to lose it. But in the kind of history of things, I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, when we were at school, we were quite an academic school and I was an academic. So I was a little bit given up on, you know, they said, don't bother with art. And then for a long story short, I was too young to leave school. So I had to stay on and do A-levels. You, fi- oh, you finished GC- well, what was called O-levels back then, phenomenally early, didn't 14 you? 14 and 15, I did That's them. Mad. And uh, I hated school and then I couldn't even leave because I was too young. Legally, uh, yeah. So anyway, I they said don't bother. I said I want I want to go to art college, and they just said don't bother. So I spent my sixth form just, I did French badly, maths badly, and just got a portfolio together and just waltzed myself off to Amsterdam College and said, here's my portfolio, and there we go. The rest is history. But the reason I was saying that is, I think when nobody has much of an expectation of you, you have nothing to lose. I see. Yes. And I think in a way that's been a mantra through. It's just nobody expect as much I think they expect more I don't mean I'm not saying I'm not worth anything now or I'm a different person and I've grown into a different person but I do think that's where it's come from well if you've got nothing to lose it's easy isn't it if you well still courageous but yeah it's easier to be courageous I think and the most courageous thing I'm going to do I might say or I've signed up to do Is uh, well, we'll see. I hope I'm going to do it. It's a 16 kilometre swim around the Scilly Isles in September. And I give given that we can't train at the moment, um, that's challenging. It's very challenging. It's bad enough you're dipping yourself in the sea for two minutes away in the river. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's all I can do at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. I've taken on something I've always wanted to do, but I, I don't know if I can do it. So, um, I'm hoping I will. So, I think that's a physical But again, it comes back to, I don't have an identity to lose if I don't finish. No. Yeah, I haven't got anything to lose, no. Yeah. As long as I go kind of, I did my best. And you mm. have to fail. You do fail sometimes, don't you? Failing do you okay. think, I mean, this is a subject that's come up a bit lately on the podcast. Do you think we let our children fail enough? Yeah, I have heard it. It's definitely a culture at the moment, isn't it? Do we let them? Do we save them? Do we keep covering for them? I, I feel I would like to think I do let mine, or have let mine. And we've had a recent incident, and my they need to feel it and sit in it and resolve it. Because actually, what I ultimately want, and I've told my kids this is what I want, I want to release into the world people that can give something that don't just sit and exist in society but know themselves enough to be able to to make a difference in however small way it is and that in some ways that should be part of their so contributors rather than just consumers yeah and how does that link to failing because 
if you don't fail and you go out into the big wide world thinking that everything you do and touch is gold, you're going to be forever disappointed and have no value in yourself and not be able to give much back. I think also it's hard to identify with people that come across as being less successful. So in failing, knowing that sort of identifying with your humanity that we are all failures in some way and so is the next person and then you can embrace their failures as part of their humanity and therefore perhaps just accept everybody makes you more relatable doesn't it yes i have a you know real passion that my kids should never think anybody is above or below them we are all just humans on this planet and i totally believe that this planet belongs to everybody so you know color race and everything this is just our planet and we've got to do our best to engage with people and bring out the best in people i'd never really thought of it like that that failing is linked to being able to reach out to everyone because it humanizes us and it means that we don't set ourselves above people or below well i feel if you meet somebody who comes across as being perfect it's very, very hard to offer your full self to them and say, this is what I find difficult. This is where I'm imperfect. Because you feel that they wouldn't either be able to identify or they'd judge you. If you come across somebody and they are vulnerable and they say, I'm so pleased with myself, I've done well here, but this is what I, my challenge was, immediately the other person opens up to their difficulties and then you can have an honest relationship can't you and you can move forward from that I think kind of I, I'm not very good at pretense I like I like a bit of grit and reality and I, I like real people I don't you do not very good with um hiding you have interesting people in your life as well yes I had you I was going to ask you do you think you're more like that because divorce is so exposing like that I actually think a lot of it comes from living and working through a life where the cards weren't necessarily on the table. And I don't deal well with things I don't know, that I don't understand. So I would say a lot of my friends, the good friends, are absolutely, you know, they're out there. They may be very straight and factual, but their cards are on the table. And I find that much easier to deal with. I think through this and that, and, and you know, I thought I had a good marriage and... It didn't. I think there's been some lies and some manipulation and I really, really struggle with that. With my kids, lying is the worst. Tell me anything. It's fine. How do you deal with that? I mean, parents often ask me this, you know, what do you do about lying? Because it's such a hard thing to instill in a child, isn't it? Honesty is a value. It's something you have to own for yourself, but also there are things that kids don't want to be caught doing. Mm. So how do I, well, I'm sitting here and I'm hoping that, you know, my kids aren't lying to me because obviously you don't always know. I think there's two angles on that for me, probably. With all of them, there's been a session. I'd say I've had one of each with them about lying and made a big point. Because you've caught them lying? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that they know that that's something I really find difficult. I think the two ways of dealing with it is firstly when they do come to you with the truth is how you handle that mm. if you forever saying you don't do that and I don't like your friends and I don't like what you're drinking and I don't like what you're doing well they're not going to tell you the and truth what you're are wearing they and, yeah. yeah so I think creating a platform whereby the truth is accepted 
maybe discussed, but at least it can be brought to the table without straightaway judgment. And I think the other thing is letting them have their secrets. Now, the mother doesn't have to know everything about everything. They, there has to be a space where they keep things from their parents and not to be too intrusive and therefore beg for lies. And I'm not sure, I don't think I've always got that right. And I'm probably not getting that right at this moment in time, you know, but I th that would be my my mission. They're, they're allowed their private lives, you know. There's a difference between keeping things in your personal space or outright deceiving. Those are two very different things. Yeah, very, two very, very different things. Yes, exactly. But for me, it's not going into that space where the chances are going to want to not to tell you and therefore lying becomes a good option. If you don't go there, and I'm not sure, I'm thinking there is a fi fine line of things that you have to ask that could be on that line that are uncomfortable, mm. most definitely, and that's probably quite hard. But they're allowed their lives. I don't really want to know what's in their love letters, and I shouldn't have to know. I'm their mum. <laughs> but you know what I mean? There Do people still things. write them? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Texts or something. Looking back, as you can now, because your oldest is in her 20s, and my youngest is most of the way through her teens, is there anything that you feel immensely proud of or anything that you would change and do differently? Well, I'm just very, very, very proud of my girls. I am stunned daily at who they are uh, because there's lots of things they could go, they could be something despite, but they're real whole people and they've got depth and you know integrity and they're interesting and they're interested and I'm not saying they're faultless and I'm not stupid. But, you know, sometimes they ring or they say something or they show me something. I'm like, oh, my, wow. Did you know that feeling? And you go, God, I made that. <laughs> wow. Um, anyone out there, I'm telling you, the struggle's worth it. But I know it, it, it isn't easy. I'm quite glad to be where I am, actually. Are you? Would you not go back? I'd love to go back for a day. You so, would? I, to snuggle them. Mm. I just wish I'd snuggled them more. I look at pictures and I go, oh, what was I doing the bloody washing up for? Look at you. Oh, just wanna I just wanna get in there. Um I guess I kinda look forward to grandchildren a little bit because of that well, not too soon, not too soon. <laughs> but yeah, they're all so different in character and they're so different in outlook. And I think having four daughters is probably well, they're not probably, there's definitely um they have all probably fought for a bit of identity. And that has been tr a struggle for them sometimes, I think. You know, where they sit in the family, you know, got one like does philosophy and the perception from the other ones that she's very academic. I don't think it's come easy to her, but she is more interested and inquisitive and she's incredibly musical. The next one's real drama and she's gone off to do illustration. So she's just sort of visually creative. And then I think the third one is, is still sort of finding her feet, but she's she's really savvy. She's really streetwise mm. and a um, bit more. She, you know, I can end see her ending up in business, and and then I think Nia's still trying to you know find her her space. And sometimes when you, when they hold on to such a strong identity, it can be quite difficult when that is um, crumbles a little bit. So I think I think she kind of feels that she wants to be um, you know good and clever. That's a hard line to keep up. Having role models above you. Role models above you, being the youngest, and, and with three above, trying to find an identity that belongs to you mm. as another daughter. And none of them have been particularly sporty near, near rides, she, she, and that's lovely, and that's, that's very much her thing. 
so yeah I mean we had that you know big families well where do I belong what do Mm. I do and what makes Natalie Natalie as opposed to just another one out of the same mould you know it's important isn't it Mm. I think that takes a long time and it can be a bit of an identity crisis at times when they're growing up and how do you find the juggle of being an artist and raising daughters and although two are off at university you you still have two at home and well I, I it's funny because they go off to university but but they still take up a lot of your emotional space mm, don't they mm. and I love to chat to them and see how they are and you know those conversations are, 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 are at least weekly I mean I would say at times totally and absolutely 100% exhausting exhausting is it easier now you've got your pool in your life Yes. There were times, to be honest, where I have absolutely no idea how I got through. I look back and there were cruxes in life. Nia had Gillian Barre, we've had... Talk about that. I mean, that was insane. I mean, you have had some difficult moments. I can remember you calling me from Great Ormond Street Hospital. You had a floppy baby on your lap. You had no idea where that was heading and your life had fallen apart in every imaginable way. Totally. Was that your rock bottom or was there a rocker bottomer? <laughs> Do you know, it's funny because I think when you're in those situations, you're in Great Ormond Street with your baby. I actually can't even remember who was looking after my other children, but somebody was. When you're in those situations, you're very supported. You know, when you're ill, you have people there. Well, she can't do this. We better give her food. In those situations, you get through it minute by minute by minute. And actually, you're quite cradled through them. I have found other situations far harder. Um, There was one week where we had just moved here. Um, A whole pile of people, including uh, your Henry. My boys. Every time I look at my ceiling, I still think of (laughs) Henry painted all those ceilings. And uh, Con, your boys came and they helped me. There's a whole load of people. Moved in here, three days, sorted it. The kids came, we had Christmas. And then uh, my ex-husband went uh, on a skiing holiday with his new girlfriends, with all the people that we used to ski with. And the hour of that, and off they went. And I think the next day, Anna got uh, tonsillitis. The day after that, she burnt herself when we were in the burns unit in Bristol. The day after that, Nia got tonsillitis. Then on the Sunday, we went to our church for the first time. Nia was playing, hurt herself, and ended up with a broken leg. We went into hospital. So, I mean, you don't, you just cope. You can't manage. You just cope in these situations. And I didn't want to bother their dad because he was away skiing. And I thought, well, what can you do? I'll let him know when he comes back. By the time he was due to land, I had a text and I kind of updated him on everything and said, you know, can I have your help? And his response was, I'm sorry, I've drunk too much. I can't get back. And I think that was probably a real low. It's like, where do I go? What is this? What have I got? How the hell do I cope with this? And then Meg broke her braces. He did manage to take her to the orthodontist the next day. And because everything was pretty manageable in its own, each incident in its own, but the whole thing built up and I that was far harder. And also sometimes when you've got one big tragedy, you've got the adrenaline and you've got the massive support. I, yeah. I know that for points in my life when... It's not necessarily the moment of tragedy. It's the putting one foot after the other, week after week, month after month. I haven't experienced difficulty like you have, but, you know, everyone has their own bucket of pain, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think I felt like it was every time you got up, I fell down a different hole, mm. and that's courageous. You have to get up, and you have to be there for your kids and still love them and still feed them, mm. and I, and even just the physical driving all over the place and. You know, I hadn't even been here long. How the hell do you get to? Where do you park? It was the parking at the infirmary in Bristol. With, you know, it was, it was, it's, the, it's the little, little things. things. Like that, yeah. It's the little things. Yeah. Those big things. You ring up somebody, you go, your dad's died. You know, everybody's incredibly supportive. Yeah. But when you can't find how to park in Bristol yes. Royal Infirmary when your daughter's burnt her thumb, it, 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 you're on your own. Yeah. And that's those are the, the times where I find probably have been the hardest i remember the one we went out for a kind of i said come on at one point we went out to john lewis's with the girls and it was just i don't know we went to tea and it was nice and somebody needed some uniform and it was a real treat me you know so you got all the, all the kids and it's always hard isn't it herding and they're quite young and we got to the car park and i went i have absolutely no idea where the car is <laughs> no idea at all I think probably Amy was 12 when they were all down to sort of four. No clue. I had no memory. Just couldn't remember. Couldn't remember. Capacity. Over. Over capacity. No space. I was many times in life when I've just had, I know I've got no processing space. And in the end, I had to just sit them down and say, you've just got to sit there. And I will go from the top and round and round and round and round and round. Oh, wow. And I think I had Nia in a pushchair and I pushed her round and round and eventually found the car. I was horrible, but uh, you know there've been so many wonderful times, and and we have this sort of lovely family who are, you know, at the end of the telephone, incredibly supportive, and you know they're there. Particularly me. Particularly me. <laughs> I don't mean that. You've got lots of lovely I th- family. I think we're so privileged, particularly you know I, you know my Paul has some um, very small family, and you don't know because you're in it just how incredibly supportive you're part mm. of much, something much much bigger. Well, it's a belonging as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You don't have to buy in. There's no risk of being thrown out. You're just in. Yeah. I think that's why belonging is so important. It is. That's been something very hard, and my kids still find it hard, and I have got challenges to come. Well, because we've moved, my eldest has never lived in this house. Yeah. I don't have bedrooms for two of my children. Mm. And when it came to lockdown and they told everybody to go home, I had to say, I don't have space. That's your home. And that, that is really hard. Of course they're always welcome and of course we'll always find a bed. But I do not have the, the capacity. Because of the divorce, I'm left in a situation where I have a home that A, wasn't where they were brought up. And B, does not have space for them. And you have other people who go home to their own bedroom where they're still teddy bear and their patchwork quilt. Mine don't have that. Mm. And I know they've struggled. I know Amy's really struggled with that sometimes. Lack of base. Yeah. You have to go, but I'm here, and she, and she knows that, and she's always welcome, and she probably has a bit, a bit more. Do you think they're more resilient because independent. of Independent. I struggle with the word resilient. Why? Because the resilient is to me like almost like you've built up scabs, and it, and the scab just gets harder, and therefore it's harder to to pick the wound. I think you're always wounded. I think ability to. Fortitude, maybe. I'd like to think they've acquired skills that help them to deal better with situations. I remember saying, so many people when, you know, with divorce, kids are resilient, kids are resilient. I'm thinking... Is that something you hear a lot, though? Oh, yes. That's so interesting. I didn't know that was a positive word. I was thinking, you know, what does that even mean? Overcomers? 
he'll bounce back or something. But actually, what's the point in bouncing back? We have to we have to feel it. Yeah. They have to understand that this has actually happened to them. You know, feel the pain a bit, and then to go. Okay, how, what is the best way to move forward from here? What can I learn, and how can I grow in this? Not how can I look beyond it, pretend it didn't happen because I'm hard. And is that what resilience says to you? I feel it is tough shell. Yes, yeah. I do feel that. That's perhaps I've misinterpreted it. Oh no, if that's the what it means to you, you can reject that as a word. Uh, and the other one is, um, oh, you're strong, and they'll be strong. They'll be strong. Oh, you know, oh, it's funny, isn't it? Do you think people say that when they lack something to say? It's like, you're amazing. It's such a... Well, I think the perception is that I am. Physically, I look strong. Probably I am strong um, physically, and I, I exhibit strength. I'm sure, mentally, I'm sure other people look at me and go, well, I, I'm not sure I could have done that. And who knows, until you're in the situation, what you're capable of. Um, dropped in the middle of the forest, you find some skills to get the hell out of there, don't you? <laughs> yes, if, if, if you're putting an arm G, you don't have to bother. Yes. So I think um, I don't like being told that because actually I think one of the things that that I have learned and grown, and that was that, a lot of that was that Brenny Brown thing, was it, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, mm. to be totally imperfect, to completely get it wrong, almost like the paintings, to know that you may move forward in this space and... Of all the choices, I don't know if this is the right choice, but it's the one I've decided to do. And oh dear, I got it wrong. I'm sorry. And I think perhaps that's another courageous thing, is saying I'm sorry. I, I don't find that difficult. And to say I'm wrong, and my girls have heard that a lot. I'm not trying to be any way sort of perfect. To, to apologise profusely and go, I, I really mean this and I am sorry and how can I make it up to you? So I think being vulnerable and being very imperfect kind of gives you a bit of a strength. If you're forever trying to be somebody perfect that you're not I think oh my goodness you're always gonna let yourself down aren't you that's quite hard and does that give your girls space to go wrong yes I think so so we started with courage rather than ending with courage which is what (laughs) I I normally end with it so I guess I want to end by saying although you wouldn't have chosen this road when you married your marriage for life yeah here you are what are you glad of that the journey brought you Paul (laughs) Um, we're all glad of him (laughs) I I, I love my house and I love my home and there are things and I guess the independence and the kind of making the choices on your own and um, the lack of sort of anger when you have an expectation and you're let down I don't don't miss that Um, being able to sort of journey my own journey a bit make decisions for myself has been nice I've I've enjoyed working I wonder probably if I should have done that you know, all along, really. I always thought going to work was really like, poor everybody, it's so hard. But actually, you know what? It's a damn sight easier than being at home. I wish I'd known that. Really? Oh. I mean, for you, in your experience, I mean, I think that's well, and a lot of people might say different, and it depends what job they've got. Indeed. I'm sorry, but yes, that's true. But in the space that when you go to work, you're doing one thing. Mm. Everybody's given you the space to do that. Everybody's parked everything. You're allowed to organise the dogs and the kids to go to work. It's justified. To organise your kids because you want to do a lot of baking or you want to do a painting, people don't really buy into that. But you're going to work. So you go to work and you do one thing. You're on a kind of mission in one direction. So it validates your space. Yeah, and you're supported to do that because that's the business or the company you're working with. When you're at home, it's just incessant. It's 24 hours a day. You're doing 50 jobs at once. 
it's emotionally challenging, it's physically challenging, it's financially challenging, and I, in a way, wish I'd worked earlier just for that. So work's been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, in many ways, in many ways, yeah. So I don't know, because I, I don't live in the space of wishing otherwise now, but I would not have wanted this. However, where I am now is in a good space. It has taken a lot of time and it still has immense challenges. You know, you have not got, you are good cop and bad cop. You have not got the other side. And that is so hard. Sometimes it's you and the kids and you're saying something and you're getting, you know, mouthy back and you just want someone to support you. You have not got it. You haven't got it. It just is not there. So and I find that really, really hard. Really hard. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. So hard, but so good. So true. What do you think of those expressions? Children are so resilient. You're so strong. Were you challenged by the notion of being comfortable with others knowing your vulnerabilities, your imperfections? I think that one of my take-homes this week, what I'm going to sort of double-click on with regard to courage, is even if you've got to do something, you can choose how you do it. You can do it with courage. And having journeyed it with her, I think that's a really fair reflection of how Natalie has faced her challenges. If you'd like your listener's discount for a copy of Parenting for Life, you can pop to the link on the show notes or just go to thecourageousmama.com. It's a beautiful, hardback, colourful, coffee table style book that helps you through all the different stages of parenting, building a family culture, belonging, raising children of character in these challenging times. And if you want to get hold of me, I'm easy to find. I'm the Courageous Mama everywhere, on Instagram, on the pod, on the blog, and on email at gmail. I always love to hear from my listeners. I love your feedback. I loved what you all thought of the generations over the last couple of weeks and that you pop up and tell me that you're ex-gen, you're a millennial, you've got Gen Zs, you've got millennials. It's brilliant feedback, just hearing what you thought of it all and how you found your place in all of that. So get in touch with me. I love feedback, recommendations, recommendations of guests to invite on, questions, I'm all ears. And don't forget to head to Bath next week if you love art between the 15th and the 20th of June to see Natalie's exhibition. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you find the courage that you need for your challenges in life this week. And I shall see you next Tuesday. Have a great week. 